Welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Matter of the Heart. And I'm your host, Carol Olivia. And we have such an interesting show because I think a lot of you have had this experience. Um, the show, uh, some of the topics of the show is going to be actually pennies are from heaven. Pennies are from heaven. And I'm sure some of you have seen pennies, maybe an array of pennies. You're just walking and you're wondering, what does this mean? Is there any significance at all? Tonight's guest, today's guest is Dr. Bernie Siegel, best known for his worldwide best-selling book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. So much wisdom uh, for anybody and everybody to read over and over and over again. Welcome, Bernie. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Carol. Would you like to, um, I know you've had some metaphysical experiences, especially with pennies. Uh, would you like to to tell the viewers anything? About the pennies, you mean? Yeah, your stories, your beautiful stories. Yeah, well, the way it started was a good number of years ago when my mother died. And I began finding pennies in literally two or three dozen of them. And what was bizarre was when the best way to say it is we have a long driveway. I walked to the mailbox on the way back I would find pennies. Now you'd say, how does that happen? And one of the grandchildren of my mother, one day, this little pipsqueak standing in the driveway said, oh, they're pennies from heaven. That blew me away. I thought, wow, my mother is, you know, keeping a connection, putting down the pennies from heaven. And so that's been a part of my process ever since. If I find pennies, it's not just from, you know, a dead relative in some senses. I always say it's like God sending me a little message saying, hey, you're on the right path, you, you know. But about 14 months ago, my wife died peacefully in her sleep. And um, I, well, I know she's still there. Let's put it that way. So I have heard voices for decades telling me where to go, what to do. Um, and it's not that I'm psychotic. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, from how did you, well, the day my father died, just people understand. A voice said to me while I was out walking before going to the hospital, um, how did your parents meet? I said, I don't know. And the voice said, ask your mother when you get to the hospital. Um, when I got there, I said to her, how did you meet? And I was upset that I didn't say, I'm sorry, let me give you a hug. You know, this thing popped out of my mouth. How did you do me? And the end of the story was, your father lost the coin to us and had to take me out. And she told more stories that had everybody in the room, this is the hospital, laughing. My father looked so healthy, enjoying her stories, that I thought he was going to say, I'm not going to die today. It's too much fun. <laughs> but when the last person who was supposed to come to say goodbye walked in, he took his last breath and left. Mm. And so I hear those voices. After my wife dies, I'm out shopping and stop and shop. And the boy said, use the first checkout aisle. So I turn into that and on the belt where you put, you know, the items, because I usually check myself out. Um, there was a dime and a penny. We were married on the 11th. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So three times I have found the dime and a penny in stop and shop on the bill. 
Oh. Um, the most bizarre one of all. See, even in the parking lot, a stop and shop, I'm told, pull into that space. You pull in, I walk around to open the trunk, get stuff out to carry items, and there's a penny on the ground at the trunk. I mean, another thing besides that, mm -hmm. I had a pair of gloves that they got so worn, there were holes in the fingers, and in the winter, it was getting too cold. So I said to my wife, you know, who isn't here physically, I said, I need a pair of gloves. I, again, a lot of things happen at Stop and Shop. Um, she knows I go there often to get stuff. Um, I came out of Stop and Shop, went to the car. There's a pair of gloves by the driver's door. And the car next to me, it wasn't maybe somebody left and dropped their gloves. Nothing was changed, just the gloves were there. So believe me, it, it gets very mystical. So I have, and the, the most interesting was walking out of the house one day and the voice said, go clean the bird bath. And I had made a bird bath out of a satellite dish and it was filled with leaves and dirty water. So I dump it. What do you think was in the bottom of the bird bath? A dime and a penny. 11. Now, what the hell? Interesting. How did they get there? I mean, right. you well, Stop and chop. Somebody must have, you know, left change. But in a bird bath in our yard is highly unlikely. So I think it's been about five times I have found a dime and a penny. The other is, in a mystical way, she was born on nine nine. And I was just thinking, even a phone number to the house ends in six six three three. That would be nine and nine again. You know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So about nine months after she died, my heart, yeah, was broken. And I had an arrhythmia, you know, a bizarre uh, rhythm of my heart. So I went to the hospital to have it checked. And I go into the emergency room and I hear them say, put him in room nine. Hmm. They said, we don't have a bed yet upstairs, so you'll have to stay here until there's a bed available. And then said to me, all right, we have a room for you now. What's the number of the room? 819. Two more nines. Then they come in and put a wristband on. I don't have it in front of me or I'd read the numbers to you. But it must have about, I don't know, 25 numbers on it. One is you as an individual. The other is whatever the episode is. You know, each time you go, you get a new wristband. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. All the numbers added up to nines. So mm -hmm. it was something like mm -hmm. two, seven, four, four, one. Uh, it was incredible. And um, even when I had something done uh, after going home from the hospital, it came back to have a, a procedure done to correct the heart rhythm. Um, you know, I tell people about penny stories. When we were done and they said, okay, you can go home now. Um, what's on the floor next to the bed I was lying on? A penny. Mm -hmm. And as we stepped into the, you know, corridor amongst all the rooms, there was another penny. And they weren't there <laughs> when we arrived. And, you know, the nurses always look at, oh my goodness, look at what he was saying and what we just found. So it, it's just very real. And other things, if you want to stick in the mystical, um, one night I heard, it's like I heard her. 
like she was still sleeping next to me. And I heard a noise and I sat up in bed and said, is there anything you need, any way I can help you? And then I suddenly, my brain said, hey, stupid, she's dead. But here I am talking to her because the sounds and, and were so much like her. And right. then the that appeared most was what I call, um, well, it's kisses, but they're different. Blow out a candle. You hear right. a pop, see? And I'm lying in bed at night, all alone. I mean, we have some pets in the house, but none of them are on top of the bed. Um, and I hear, and then I feel a breeze on my face. Now, there's no way I can explain that either. Mm. And that happened multiple times mm. uh, you know, in the weeks and months right after she died. I mean, as time has gone by, things have slowed down. And she doesn't need to prove anything to me anymore. But one more that's a humorous one. Um, I don't know if you can see my hands, but I have three rings. One is family, one is friends, and one is my wedding band. Mm -hmm. And the friend one was made by somebody. And suddenly, well, two women, when they learned my wife had died, that I've known, who are nurses and healthcare professionals, started in with, why don't we come to your house, stay over, help you? Um, you know, I know why they were saying that. You know, hey, we can come in, take his wife's place. Uh, and I said, no, no. But the next thing I notice is, and these rings I always keep together, put them in the drawer when I go to bed, the friendship ring disappeared. Oh. We can't, you know, again, can't find it in the house, have no idea why would it disappear. Wow. The others didn't. And I knew it was my wife saying, none of this stuff. <laughs> now, you know, you're not inviting them over to the house, which is what they wanted. And a month later, the woman who was cleaning our house, it had to be at least a month, said, oh, Bernie, look, I found the ring in the bedroom on the floor. You know, again, it was put back by mm -hmm. my wife because if it were lying on the floor, again, I would see it. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't there for a month. So she knew also, the lady who cleans the house, that it wasn't there, you know? Yeah. I'm just curious, uh, uh, Bernie, why pennies? What's the significance? Well, it's not of any great value financially. Right. It's the meaning in it that's significant. Right. That's what I mean. What is the meaning of a penny? Well, I, that it doesn't have any great value. It's no big deal if you found it. You, you know, it's not like, wow, look, I found $10. Right. You know, the penny is the symbol. That's why it's meaningful. It is not, as I say, of great financial value. Right. A message. That's right. why. Right. It's the penny, you know, and that term that we use, pennies from heaven. Right. So it connects it all, that it means something in a greater way of value. Right. Saying, right. In the macro, not, so to speak. Yeah. You know, synchronicity. Yeah. Synchronicity. Well, so, there are no coincidences. This is what Elizabeth Kugel-Ross would right. always say. She was a friend of mine. And, you know, when things like that would happen, Bernie, there are no coincidences. Right. And no, every season has a reason. Creating all this uh, consciousness is accomplishing something and doing something. Right, right, right. So I don't... <laughs>
in your own mind, in your mind, how do you think these pennies appear? <laughs> well, I can only say that in some way she puts them there. She comes up with them. You know, because- It is an energy force. Examples, when I'm sitting in the house, the right. floor is clear. Uh, we have a stationary bike here that I exercise on. Right. I'm sitting in the same place every day. And suddenly one morning, there's a penny on the floor in front of it. Now, nobody's in the house. Nobody, you know, would drop one there. And I just keep feeling it's my wife saying, hello, you know, it's a penny from heaven. I'm okay. Well, let me add something else. It's people mystical. I had a patient who was a mystic. And when she learned I wasn't a normal doctor, she said, we had a meeting of mystics. I asked for a message for you. And she brought me this message from somebody named Frank. I knew who that was. It was a doctor friend who had just died. So I called his wife. And when I told her what the message was, she screamed. I said, I'm upsetting you. No, you're not upsetting me. That's what Frank always said when he left your meeting. Exact words. And he had cancer, was in our support group. So again, she often will bring me messages or... I send people to her. You know, if your child died and you said, oh, I, you know, I can't, what can I do? I say, call Monica. She'll bring you a message from your child. Well, when my wife Bobby died, Monica, she doesn't live near me, doesn't know all, you know, what is going on. Um, my wife died on a Friday and I thought, let's see if I get a phone call from Monica. Sunday morning, the phone rings. It's Monica. Bernie, I got a message from a lovely woman who said she was an opera singer during her lifetime. And she called about Bobby, that Bobby's back together with her family. Everything is fine. Mm. Wow. What do you think Bobby's mother was in her lifetime? That, I don't know. I have no, an opera singer. An opera singer. I think I remember you saying that once. She yes. Well-known opera singer. Right, right. So wow. when, you know, when Monica says that to me, I mean, how can I deny that? She has no way of knowing right. my mother was an opera singer. So, right. you know, as I say, I have messages endlessly from Monica and I take them seriously, you know, that it's not, oh, this is crazy. How can you believe that? Uh, you, you can't you know deny what, what I find interesting, Bernie, is the, uh, the force and the power of the other side, the spirit right. that can move something. Yeah, yeah. And see, you hear this, people have to feel safe. So if I'm sitting with a group of people whose children have died, they will tell you amazing things. And another that I woke up to, before I tell you a story or two, I used to say to, uh, psychiatrist friend of mine who's written about past lives and so forth. Um, he, I would say to him, this is crazy because parents come and tell me their son. Well, one lady was driving on the parkway. She heard her son's voice say, mom, slow down. And he raised pigeons and a pigeon landed in her lane. So she steps on the brake, slows down, said, I went around the turn. There was a sheet of ice and 20 cars piled up. I want in it because my son said, slow down. And I would say, well, then her kid's a bum. And this is Brian Weiss. He wrote many lives. Right, right. 
Brian said, Bernie, there's no time up there. It's not seven that he sat around for seven years. There's no time. And that used to confuse me. And I always say to people, you want to learn the truth, read fiction. Because the people who write fiction observe the world, create characters, and then tell the true story. Ah, very creative. Show Carousel, which I'm watching years ago. Um, the angel says to a guy who died in a robbery, uh, you want to see your daughter graduate from school? What are you talking about? My daughter's a baby. It, she was when he was killed. And the angel says, this is Rogers and Hammerstein, there's no time up here. Now, where the hell did they come up with that sentence? And the other thing that was interesting to me, since I was a doubter, who do you think is speaking at the graduation of the high school? The town doctor. <laughs> and I thought it's really like, boy, are they getting your attention? They got the doctor talking to all the kids. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but so again, I've learned now, there's no time when you leave your body. No, definitely not. Yeah. Well, sometimes there's no time when you create in, on the physical plane, like right. you paint or you write, or you do something yeah. creative, there's no time. Yeah, I found in the operating room, and when I was painting a portrait, I had no sense of time. Right. Or pain or anything else. Right. Um, that's the part I, that woke me up to it as a gift, that I'm having trouble standing up because of a back injury, and then I noticed you stood two hours in front of an easel, you stood two, three right. hours over a patient. When the operation was over, I had to lie down on the floor. I was in such pain, but not a single bit of pain while I was creating. Right. Someone. Yeah. So when, uh, so creation, when we're creating, we're getting into our heart, into our passion. So if there's no thought process, right? I mean, it's coming from yeah. our spirit. Right. You're, you're yeah. It, it's a trance state. Right. And I, I also, I've said this to people, you don't age then. In other words, if you right. knew what time it was, how can you get older? You know what I mean? Your body's getting a message from you. So I think the people who are creative and, you know, Monday morning, we have more heart attacks, strokes, suicides, and illnesses. But if you love what you're doing on Monday, then that's not going to be. You're going to live a hell of a lot longer than other people uh, who don't like what they're doing and, you know. Right, right. Yeah. But, well, actually, uh when you love what you're doing, you're not necessarily focusing on time. You're focusing on, on what you're doing, you know? Right. Time and you're not there. working. You know what I mean? Right. It is work if you're living it and enjoying it. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, one, well, that's a one, lesson. I'm just thinking of one of the parents. His son studied um, caterpillars, which is a symbol of transformation, too. Right, right. And, um, he had the whole room filled with carrot, I mean, butterflies, you know, in frames and all kinds right, of things. Right. And he died. And the father said he was walking around Connecticut and a butterfly joined him and stayed with him and went all the way back to the house. Oh. So he went up to his son's room. And what is the butterfly? He said, I found it. It's only in South America. And there it was in Connecticut, keeping track of him. And we had another butterfly experience that was incredible. A patient of mine had gone to the island of Kauai in the Hawaiian Islands 
to straighten out her relationship with her mother before she died of cancer. A year and a half later, we went to the island to give a workshop, my, my wife and I. And we went into a store to buy some things and there was a butterfly flying around, totally confused by the lights I felt. So we're always rescuing everything. So my wife climbs up, puts her hand up, the butterfly lands on her hand. And then we walk outside with it and we're expecting it to take off, but it doesn't. It jumps oh, up. Interesting. Oh. And sits there. So we get in the car because you couldn't get it to fly away. We get in the car, we drive to the hotel. The butterfly goes into the hotel with us, up the elevator into our room. And the title of the story is You Can't Sleep with the Butterfly, because this was the part that blew my mind. Um, we had dinner, the butterfly sat in the kitchen with us, and then my wife says, I've got to get go to bed. I said, well, you can't sleep with the butterfly, because it was sitting on her shoulder. I said, you got to get rid of it. She said, okay. Mm. She, got, she went out on the porch to brush it off, and came back in and said, all right, I brushed it off. I said, have you looked at your other shoulder? it came back in on her other shoulder. Oh. So I started talking to the butterfly because I felt it had to be this woman's spirit. Right, this right. right. To explain this. So I said, you know, we have to go to bed. I'm going to do a workshop tomorrow. I want you to climb into a bag. We'll take you to the workshop. I'll talk about the symbol of the butterfly and then I'll open the bag and you fly out. Next morning, what do I do? We have a little paper bag. The butterfly goes right in. I did give it some sugar water to drink <laughs> at night. <laughs> um, it flies into the bag. We go to the workshop. It's an outdoor workshop. In Hawaii, you know, the weather is very different. So I got up behind the podium and I said to everybody, I want to talk to you about the symbol of the butterfly. Hmm. About transformation. Hmm. You know, the cocoon, you fight to become free and et cetera, et cetera. And then I opened the bag and the butterfly flew up. It stayed over everyone's heads from nine to five. It flew in circles over the group. And at five o'clock when I said, you know, we're done, then the butterfly flew away. And mm. that was one of the most mystical things that has ever happened to me. That's uh, fascinating. And it shows it each and I may add in his book, Cancer Ward, right. a symbol of a, butter, a rainbow colored butterfly. Oh as a symbol of self-induced healing. In other words, if somebody gets well when nobody can explain it, see, doctors call things today spontaneous remissions. Right. You're not learning anything if it's spontaneous. But Solzhenitsyn, having experienced cancer in his lifetime, said self-induced healing flooded out of the great open book. Oh, when I read that, I thought, here's a guy who knows what he's talking about. That's beautiful. Life is in order with the rainbow. Right. You know, Balance. How you create it. You have to struggle to be free and right, right. have that rainbow. Right. That's beautiful. And the rainbow, it's fascinating because the colors are always the same. Yeah. And in order. And the ever exactly. color, I do a lot of work. Well, one of my books is The Art of Healing. There's right. six drawings in it. And it, it, it shows you that the colors mean something. See, the trouble with medicine is our therapists don't know anatomy. So they don't right. see the things a doctor would see in a drawing. Right, right. The trouble is because of the kinds of doctors we have. See, it's like taking your car to a garage. If you have a special problem, they get the expert over to fix it. Well, I sent 
an article about all the drawings to a medical journal. It came back saying interesting, but not appropriate. I sent it to a psychiatry journal. It came back saying it's appropriate, but it's not interesting. We know all this. That's the part that upsets me about medicine. You know, you're treated like a part. You got a heart problem, go to the cardiologist. Right, 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 right. Psychiatrist. Yeah. It's not the total. Well, let me give you one quote from Carl Jung, because I think it said it so well. Because I began to say to people, what are you experiencing? Not what your diagnosis is, but what is it like to experience it? And the words, well, I'll give you an example. Woman said failure. I said, how does that fit your life? Well, my body failed. I said, that's not my question. Your life. Oh, my parents committed suicide when I was a child. I must have been a failure as a child. The pressure is a lady's pain. It turns out her marriage is causing her great pressure. When she realizes that, the headache goes away and she goes home to talk to her husband. So it's, and this is Jung's statement. The diagnosis may help the doctor, but it doesn't help the patient. For there, the key thing is the story. And only at that point can the doctor's therapy begin to operate. And, and you know, if you look at medical ads, whether on television or medical you know, magazines, I was depressed. I went to see my doctor. He prescribed an antidepressant. I feel better now. You know, what if our husband was killed in an accident? Don't you think the psychiatrist ought to say, uh, what's going on in your life? And it's not blame. Huh. Even Jesus said this. It is done unto you as you believe. So, you know, nobody criticized him and said, what are you blaming us for? Um, and that's what I got criticized by doctors saying, why are you asking your patients what's going on in their life? You're making them feel like they may, you know, cause their problem. I said, no, it's so I can help them to heal their life and understand what's going on. And numbers like colors are another thing that are important. When people draw pictures or have a dream and there are a certain number of things in it and you say, what does 10 mean to you? What is 14? What is... And they say, oh, that's the day that, well, a reporter came to my house. She thought I was nuts, all the things I was doing. But she was assigned to write an article about me. And I knew it wasn't going to be pleasant. So I said to her, draw a picture and then we'll talk. She handed me a picture where she had a really big head. I knew she was an intellectual lady. And behind her well, on that's the- that's interesting. A big head. So she's yeah. going to focus in on the head. Yeah. Head, head, right, right. Not the heart, but the head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but hanging on the wall behind her was a clock with one hand pointed at 12. I said to her, what happened when you were 12 years old? Because I wanted to shake her up. I wasn't going to say, why is 12 important to you? What right. happened when you were 12 years old? I don't like deadlines. I said, there's only one hand on the clock. What happened when you were 12? Then she burst into tears and told me that she'd been sexually abused. Oh, those are the things that make people into believers and change the article, you know, that they're writing. Because now right. it's something real and not Siegel telling crazy stories. Right, right. So, Bernie, with, it's fascinating what you said. With all of the, um, metaphor, with the metaphysical stories, we were talking about the rainbow and the order of the colors, and which always seem to be the same. What can we learn as humans uh, that uh, there's an order within ourselves, within there's an order in the universe. You know, what's the wisdom out of the order of nature for the human being, Bernie? 
Well, it's creating harmony. That's a good word. Right. You know, and I say, let nature be your teacher. Because the thing I've learned from nature, well, I mean, life is amazing. You know, right. you can't describe how or what everything happened. Right. Uh, and so if you watch nature, it becomes a therapist for you. Definitely. I mean, okay. one example that always stood out for me, things were troubling me, and I went out for a walk, and I noticed nails that I had put into a tree to hold the fence up around our pets. And right. Had grown around the nails. The fence and the nail were embedded in the tree. And I thought, that's what I need to do. Just take it in and grow around it, you know? And so, oh, and one more, I got to tell you. I'm out jogging and I see a new road that was just put in, the pavement cracking. And after a few more days, a skunk cabbage came popping out. And I brought the whole family there because I said, look, if you ever have a problem, you run into a stone wall, keep pushing. I said, look what that little plant did. I mean, it's almost, how can a little plant bust through the asphalt on the road? Fascinating. Wow. Isn't that about science? Wow. I didn't know which way is up. Right, right, right. Paved over. But I read about plants and seeds. Seeds know which way is up. You know, because people are saying, oh, I can feel the sun. You're not going to feel the sun through a pavement. So it knows gravity and which way is up. And those are the things that are, again, are built into us. If we can give our body what I call a live message, uh, because, you know, the trees uh, and the skunk cabbage, they're not dealing with all the problems we're dealing with. Right. but they teach us the same powers are in us. No that are in that. You know, you cut, well, I always say you cut your finger. What do you do? You don't bleed to death. You put a bandaid on it. So who figured that out? You know, how does your body know how to heal? But Think all instinctive are built into us. Right, 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 yeah. right. Fascinating how much we can also learn from nature and how that links within ourselves. Like, as you said, which is, I find interesting, because nature has harmony and balance, you know, going back to the rainbow. And that's probably one of the wisdoms that we have to strive for, you know, in ourselves, because that obviously relates to health, our physical, mental, uh, emotional, spiritual health. I forgot to read it this morning. I have three books here that I read every morning. One is mine, 365. That's a great book. Yeah, I love it. And even though I wrote it years ago, it's new. You know what I mean? Because right. I can't remember 365 things I wrote. Right. I'm impressed with what I wrote. But every day there's a message. And it's like, who picked that, uh, you know, for today? Yeah. And, and you can open it up in any, on any page. It doesn't well, have to I, be. I used to do that. But right. now I go one day at a time. Okay. Uh, even, you know, each year we have a different number of days, but on Pat- St. Patrick's Day this year, it says Irish blessing. And mm-hmm. like, wow, how did that work out? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right on that day. Mm-hmm. And then there are other Zen things and, and calendars with messages on mm-hmm. them. Um, it's it, to help me get my mind in the right place every morning. You know, it's a great book. Great. A lot of wisdom in it. A lot of wisdom. Yeah, I don't even know where I found it all. Um, well, you might have channeled some of it. 
Yep. All right. And you have two others, did you say? Well, one, this is March 20th. Right. Exercise plan key to number two. Use the principle of progression. Inch by inch, anything's a cinch. And, you know, I mentioned to you how we were married on the 11th. Right. You got to hold on because this is a calendar that, you know, I don't know when got it. Right. Uh, here we go. I'm, I'm to the right month. July 11th. Now, I didn't know anything about this or even where I got this calendar. A part of you has grown in me. And so you see, it's you and me together forever and never apart. Maybe in distance, but never in heart. That's beautiful. Imagine that on the day you got married. The first time, well, every time I see it, I would read it to my wife. That's uh, beautiful. Incredible. Beautiful. Uh, Very touching. Very touching. Yeah. Wow. Well, we have learned so much from you, and um, and we hope you'll be back. Oh, uh, I will. And as I said, to just keep reminding people, there are no coincidences. There's we, no question. I, I, I'm a firm believer. Carl Jung started synchronicity, right? He gave it the word. Yeah. And uh, every season, there's a reason. And when you follow, uh, I know you say a lot of times, quiet the mind. When your mind is quiet, then you can pick up on the signs and the symbols that the creator is yeah. giving you, you know? That's it's right. There's one other theme. I don't know how much more time you have to talk, but that tells you that. It's the still pond. That, right. That theme appears in many, many books and stories. You know, the ugly duckling. Right, right. Swan. Right. Uh, a tiger brought up by goats when his mother dies has to be taken to a still pond by another tiger to realize you're a tiger, you're not a goat dummy. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a cute story that Joseph right. used to tell. So you have to quiet your mind. And, and that theme, I have to say, my friend who's an animal intuitive, she would always say to me, Bernie, stop screaming your dog's name, quiet your mind, you'll get into the animal's head and it'll show up for you, you know? Because she has well, told me where to find pets when she, I'm in Connecticut. She was yeah. in California and Africa and described where the pet was. And you see, when somebody called me the other day, said, I hear you talk about, you know, talking to animals. Our dog has disappeared. He's gone for three days. I said, quiet your mind. Talk to your dog. Tell it you're worried about it. You want it to come home, be in the house with you. I get a phone call. She said, 20 minutes after I sent the dog a message, he came to the door. Wow. And I well, always- Don't you think that. that that's the intuitive process that works then when we quiet the mind, our inner yeah. voice? Then you can Maybe get- Maybe that's a bond with the creator at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and when you're frantically thinking- Right. It doesn't happen. Right, it's taking up too much space in the brain, so to speak, you know? It clutters yeah. the brain. It blocks everything then. Right. When right. The is quiet, right. Then it's like it's universal. Consciousness never dies. People have to understand that. Right. Um, we don't die. Our bodies die. Right. When I had a near death experience when I was four years old. And what struck me after a while was how I told people about it. 
I mean, I didn't know it was unusual, okay? This is a long time ago when I'm four years old. I thought, oh, everybody knows about this stuff. <laughs> but when I would be telling somebody what happened, I would always say, the boy on the bed. And one day I realized, you never say yourself. You always say, the boy on the bed. And I realized it's because even at the age of four, I realized I'm not that boy. I'm not that body. I'm my consciousness. I'm seeing, thinking, um, you know, I I'm still alive. It's the body that's dead. Yeah. Yeah, there's and no I question. I mean, Native Americans say that uh, it's simply that the spirit finds another home. You yeah, know? That's right. It's that, that's right. past lives. Right, Your exactly. finds a new home. And right. I always get a kick when I see five-year-olds playing a violin in a right. concert orchestra. I know damn well that kid, <laughs> no violin teacher is right. going to teach a five-year-old to do what he's doing. Yeah, right. those right. talents are coming to you from someone who lived before you. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Yeah. That would be a great topic to... to uh, to talk about next time. Yeah, because I always felt that I had been an artist and wanted to use my hands in, in this well, life. Well, a surgeon uses their hands in a creative Yeah, that's way. one of the things. See, at that age, I didn't know that artists earned a living. Right. Um, so I thought, all right, become a surgeon. You'll use your hands. You'll right, help right. And then I painted at home tons of, you know, right. portraits of everybody in the family. Um, and I learned from that too. Uh, yeah. you know, how you painted people often said a lot about the person. Well, it says a lot about the person who's painting the person. Yeah, what you're seeing in that What person. you're seeing, how you're delving in, I paint as well, into their soul. Right. You're really trying to pick up the depth of their heart and the way their yeah. soul is speaking, you know? Yeah. To get that, to catch it, I say, to catch that. Because Fullest expression. Know, my wife, and when I was set to paint her portrait, I thought, all right, I'll paint her in a beautiful evening gown, you know. Right, so, right. And I, I said to myself, I don't like this. That's no. not. And then one day, after we went for a bike ride, she jumped off her bike that she's had right. since nine years old, and I said, that's you. Right. I painted her standing, you know, holding her bike. Boom, it happened then. See, mm -hmm. it to it. Yeah, and it was the earthiness you picked yeah. up. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's beautiful. Thanks, Bernie, so much for You're the show. Uh, Pennies from Heaven and so much more. And this is, has been Dr. Bernie Siegel, author of, and I so much encourage everybody to read Love, Medicine, and Miracles because yeah. it's phenomenal, totally, totally phenomenal book, totally phenomenal. Yeah came from my over and over and over again. And he's got so many other books on his website, uh, BernieSiegelMD.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, joy, peace, and success, everybody. Thank Bye. you. Mm -hmm.